Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We have a great episode uh, for you today. A couple of years ago, actually just a few months after I started this podcast, I was reading this book called The Revenge of Analog. I highly recommend it, author David Sachs. And it's about like how all of these... Um, Older formats like vinyl and Polaroid and notebooks were coming back and becoming more popular. It's a really great book. It really, really is a great book. I was reading this book and I was like, man, I really have some questions for this author. And then I found out this author, David Sachs, is local. He was he lived, you know, half an hour from me. And so I thought, well, this would be a great opportunity. I really want to interview him for my podcast. But at the time, the podcast was just interviewing record labels. And so that's how I came up with this sub-series called Industry Insiders, because I needed an excuse to interview the author of this great book that I thought my audience would be really interested in hearing about. And so that's how we came up with Industry Insiders. It's since evolved where I've spoke with people from Bandcamp. I've spoke with people from Pressing Plants. Uh, and from CD Baby, I've talked to bio writers and, and college radio specialists. And these industry insiders have been very popular. People really love to kind of take a break and, and, and focus on a really specific niche within the record label industry. And so today's episode is with Jen, who's a founder of Women in Vinyl. This is such a fun episode. I, I had a, it was very enlightening. It was very um, interesting to talk about this subject. And I think this is an incredible organization. Um, and, and I talk a little bit about at the end, how you can get in touch and get involved uh, with this organization. But in the meantime, you can check them out at womeninvinyl.com. But please enjoy today's interview. Yeah, so uh, I started Women in Vinyl in 2018. Um, I started working in the uh, vinyl manufacturing industry. And I just realized that um, there were a lot of women sort of behind the scenes doing things bigger than what people thought they were doing. Um, and they weren't really represented very well. Um, just, you know, vinyl's always been a more male-dominated industry. And... Um, then <laughs> there was this meme that was going around uh, social media, and it was of a 1950s couple, and the guy's holding a record, and he's nerding out about like what pressing it was, and his wife is sitting there knitting, and she's basically like, "I could care less," <laughs> and everyone <laughs> was reposting this thing like so many times, and it just started to get under my skin because I was oh, like, "Yeah." I was like, I'm the guy. Like, I have 40 <laughs> versions of Master of Reality. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, I mean, like, I have another account where I dive in research those. So, like, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I decided to start Women in Vinyl as a blog and sort of show um, what these women are doing and how they're sort of paving the way. Um, because I think a lot of women are nervous to be involved in something that feels sort of, um, you know, they're afraid to ask questions. It mm -hmm. can feel like a, a guy's club. And we're, if we're in it, we're supposed to know everything already. Yes, and it's right. just like, it's impossible to just start something or be interested in something and know everything about it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to create sort of a safe space for uh, women to find role models, um, girls to find ways into the industry. Um, like I mentioned before, I was a designer before this and I've always been artistic, but I didn't play an instrument. So I didn't really know, I didn't know that this was a career path for me. Mm. So I want to create a space for people, not just women, but, you know, anyone to find jobs in the industry, find role models in the industry, learn about it. You know, I think there's so many misconceptions to like that your center label is a sticker, um, you know, things like that, that people just don't know. And so if there's a place for them to learn that and not feel like I should already know this, then that is a great place to start. So our like educate, demystify and diversify are really our like targets. Um, by the way, I, I, I've just learned that sticker thing about a, a year ago. <laughs> it, <laughs> right. was, it was pretty eye opening. It was pretty exciting. Yeah. You know, like uh, you had Robin on, she um, is a lathe cutter, and so they do use stickers, but most of the people um, who are pressing a record will refer 
to the stickers. And I'm like, do you mean labels? Because we don't have stickers on this order. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So yeah, it is. It's, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You need to learn it somewhere, so. And they play a bit of a role too, don't they? Like in balancing things, like aren't they kind of like not just a, a label, but they are, they have like a bit of a utility. Is that true? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so if you were to press uh, a one-sided record, for example, and you didn't have a label on the other side, um, because that pressure isn't equal, um, it can cause some like dishing or like a bowl type warp. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so, it, and they they go on either side of the puck when it goes into the machine to be pressed. So, right, right. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that's a pointless <laughs> tangent, but it is fun. Um, this is so fascinating to me. Um, I did these uh, studio tours on YouTube a few years ago, and the analytics said that our audience was 99.5% male or something like super <laughs> crazy like that. And when I saw that stat, I found it like alarming. I thought it's not that women don't care about audio and music production. There's obviously something wrong here. It's bigger than just saying, oh, well, they're not interested. That must be a challenge for you guys that in not only dealing with actual inequality, but also the impact it has on this generation and, and the next generation. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, we're trying to break down some of those barriers and help people understand um, that there is this sort of, um, that it's not an equal playing field. And I think for a lot of people, it's hard to understand because anybody who is accepting obviously doesn't always see um, a prejudice or um, where there isn't diversity, but mm -hmm. it's definitely something that we hear and we see. And, you know, when I talk to people, um, a lot of women, like after we'll record or after we'll do a blog post, um, we'll sort of follow up with, you know, I wanted to share this, but, or, um, oh, interesting. I don't want to sound like this because, yeah. you know, because we're all trying to have careers here too. Yeah, yeah. So it so it is. It's a hard um, and a fine line to walk between opening people's eyes and also, you know, making sure that we can thrive. So I think it's a really interesting thing that I've found. Something you said earlier on when you were talking about not even not even realizing that this was like a career path or a, an option. <clears throat> My daughter is nine, and we were watching football a couple of years ago, and she asked me why girls can't play football. And I was like taken aback because I was like, well, girls can play whatever they want. But right. <laughs> she was just defaulted to thinking that they weren't allowed because in her lifetime, she's never seen a woman play football on television, right? right. So she just thinks they're just not allowed to do that. But that's so, that's so weird, eh? Like how that happens. And it actually takes work to try to unravel that. Yeah. I mean, I've just never understood it. I'm like... Collect vinyl collecting, I think, is sort of where it starts, but it still at that level doesn't make sense to me because you know, girls collect things too. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so, that's true. So it's just, um, I don't know. I think it's that, um, there is sort of an elitist, I think, mentality in some cases. Um, and I think, I think the newer generation is starting to sort of break that down, but, um, I, it's still there, yeah. you know. It just, it just is. I, I am fascinated about the the idea of representation and how, especially in this music and audio industry, how represented certain groups are. And I, I think I'm starting to understand it a lot more at the impact of a young woman or a person of color when they have someone that they can look up to, like you had mentioned, or just at least that evidence that it's possible. Um, is that something that you're starting to see more that people are, you know, we're talking about not only being accepting of it or, and, and the younger generation changing that, but gosh, it must just be cool for people to see your website, to see the women who own record stores or women who are run pressing plants. That's got to be huge. It is. It's great. I mean, I have people reach out um, because they admired someone they read about and they want to get connected to them or... Um, who just say that, you know, they're inspired to you know, get started in this um, or if I have other resources. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, if you didn't know anything about this, 
and you are a minority within a group of people um, and you have a question like, how do you set up your turntable? The, it, who do you ask if you yeah. don't see anybody like you in that group? Right. It can be intimidating. So I think that kind of stuff is where we're trying to, um, you know, create white papers and podcasts and um, videos and things like that so that people have that reference point if they are still nervous to ask those kinds of questions. Because, you know, there are guys out there, too, that are getting into this and don't know how to set up a turntable. And maybe they need a resource. And, you know, why not help there, too? Yeah, I've... Um... And it is like, I think it's changing. You're right. The, especially the hi-fi space and the um, the website um, that is now renamed to Gearspace. But gosh, it's like very violent. Like it's just people are very aggressive. And uh, I can only imagine like asking a, a question about a, a turntable. Yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. want to do that publicly. <laughs> I mean, even like, yeah, like I mean, I've had people just on Instagram on my personal page, uh, when I post things say, you know, oh, you're posting your boyfriend's records or, um, you don't deserve to listen to this kind of thing. or hope you die so that someone else can get your black Sabbath collection. I was just oh like, my goodness. what? It's just crazy. I mean, That's... the kinds of things. And of course there's like internet <sighs> trolls and whatever, but you know, again, this is the kind of thing that can deter someone from wanting to get into, final. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the, what we talk about. Like when it, when you talk about privilege is that like, nobody would say that to me and I'm an idiot. Like I, I, there, <laughs> I shouldn't be getting into a lot of this stuff and, but nobody will say that to me, you know, that's, yeah. that's brutal. That's just, to me, that's like a cliche. That person is being like an example you would read about on like CNN or something. It's just, it's not even creative. <laughs> exactly. At least be creative. <laughs> it's like there's a stock <laughs> list of insults you're supposed to use if you feel your authority has been taken away or something. Right. Oh, right. my goodness. I think it – I also – tell me if this is is true in any way. I also see it as a really exciting time for women entrepreneurs because I think that uh, a brand's aesthetic and, and personality is so important. And in the music audio space uh, um, and the music industry – Everything has been so masculine, you know, especially recording studios or to an extent even record stores. And so I think there's this great opportunity for a completely new way of doing things that looks and feels different from the mold that we're used to. Is is that exactly. something you're witnessing? Yeah, I mean, I my big thing um, is that you can't have... Um, you can't expand and grow and innovate without a bunch of different opinions and mm. thoughts and backgrounds. And so I think the um, it's a good time for that in the music community because especially with vinyl, um, it's been, it's the same process. You know, it's the same, <laughs> we've been pressing records the same way since we've been pressing records. Yeah. So now with this resurgence that's come and with it being something that we aren't seeing going away, it needs innovation now. You know, how are we going to make records faster? How are we going to make them mm -hmm. more eco-friendly? How are we going to continue to keep records here? And I think um, having these other opinions is really important. And so I think that that is an exciting thing. And I have to say, everybody in the industry, for the most part, is extremely accepting and supportive of Women in Vinyl. And that has been really awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I, and I kind of get the sense, too, there's a huge evolution happening from the people that I talk to. And I mean, of course, there's, there's those trolls, but really they're being shut down uh, quite a lot. And I really yeah. just, yeah, that's that's really great to hear. Um, kind of based on that, what we were talking about, I, I have, this has been like echoing in my head for the past couple of weeks. I did an interview with a label in the US called Loretta Records and Katrina is the founder. And she said something in her interview that's just been like, ping-ponging in my brain for so long and she was talking about how indie record labels started as like a, a contrast to the major labels yet like we're always like we default to copying their model and it's kind of our response i'm paraphrasing but like i'm kind of it's kind of our response to our responsibility to do something innovative like you said and do something different so just when you were saying that i was reminded of that again and it's like like we don't need to follow that you know, traditional mold. 
Right. Exactly. Um, I think I interrupted the origin story about a half an hour ago. But um, <laughs> so so okay. So this meme was going around, and and you started the blog. How did it kind of morph into what it is today? Well, after the blog started, and I saw that this was something that people there was a need for it and people wanted it. Um, and I was really passionate about it. Um, I decided that I sort of needed to take it to the next level. Uh, and I've done a lot of things before I was in the music industry. Um, like I mentioned before this, I was a designer. Um, and then I worked as a career advisor for an art college, um, the oh, school cool. that I went to. And um, advising, uh, career advising in particular, it was, it's a huge passion of mine. That's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I love mentoring. I love connecting people with like that right place for them. And so this is sort of like a perfect marriage of the things, um, where, you know, creating job boards and role models and connecting people with the industry, uh, is sort of a great, it's just a great partnership. So, I always knew that the next step for women in vinyl would be to make it a nonprofit so that we could raise scholarship funds and then mm. that way help girls, you know, find their way to DJ school sooner, you know, mastering, um, all of these avenues that they may not always see available. And uh, yeah, so over the past year and a half, really, uh, we gained a lot of momentum, uh, solidified the board, um, or at least our like four main members. Um, and then yeah, expanded with the podcast, uh, which is, I think we're, we just recorded our 11th episode. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, tons of other things that I'm still working on. Um, we're finally like an actual registered business. So the nonprofit, uh, 501c3 is next, which I imagine that's pretty daunting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's... It's taken me forever. I mean, it was just one of those things that, you know, being a creative person, I just, I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Bylaws? Like what are, (laughs) right. right. (laughs) So, you know, again, I'm like, I want to make the website look nice, but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's been interesting to learn that side of things too. Um, because I definitely have a, a vision and point of view that I'm excited to make happen. So once I sort of got a list of what I need to do, now I'm off to the races and I have a great, team of volunteers that have just been amazing with advice and free time and you know that's help. so cool in so, life yeah. when you, when you can be that pers- person or, or that stage in your career where you are using all of your gifts and all of your passions in one singular role i think that's that's like a dream come true for me it is it's yeah it's really exciting what are some of the practical tools and services that that your organization is providing right now? You had mentioned the the job board. Yeah, so uh, we have a job board up now, so um, it's free. I don't want companies to have to pay. Yeah, how does um, that work? All they have to do is email info at womeninvinyl dot com. Uh, send me the job. They can actually log in and post it, uh, oh, cool. and then it's there. And uh, if it's going to expire, they hear from me, and I ask if they want me to keep it up or not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's on the site. Um, Right now, I think we have three or four pressing plants represented, which is great because who, you know, who thinks that you can get a job there, but there's a lot of opportunities up right now. Yeah. Um, I would love to expand it to get some labels and um, other opportunities up soon. So. Uh, By the way, I, um, as we were talking about this, I, I connected recently with sound girls that organization yeah. that's such a cool thing very very similar to what you guys are doing i love that yeah they're awesome and jet galindo who's on our board she um, also does some work with sound girls and we've actually been able to do a couple uh uh panels with them on vinyl and oh, jobs cool. and vinyl yeah that's cool um what exists in this space for young girls uh like middle school or high school i think that's a great age to be inspired and to start to find an identity uh, in something like music and, and production. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that we try to do is really have fun uh, social media, uh, fun imagery, fun blogs, so that, you know, young girls can read it. Nothing on there would be, you know, 18 or older. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> like that, you know? that's smart. That's yeah. something like that you wouldn't normally think of. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I definitely have that. Um, we are going to be creating white papers. And I, I was like, oh, a white paper is like literally black and white information on a page. And then I was doing some research <laughs> and come to find out that like times have changed there too. And there are these like beautiful things. Can you explain <laughs> so, it? Explain it for us. Yeah. So like just truly an information source. So if you're like, what is plating? You can go to Women in Vinyl and you can go to resources and you can find information on what plating is in the vinyl manufacturing mm. process. Mm. And, you know, in the past, when I think of it from like a college perspective, it's literally like if you were reading an essay, like a boring right. black and white thing. <laughs> it's just like truly just like information, no extra words. And um, yeah, so I was doing some research on these <laughs> the site and I was like okay now they're like beautiful square spaces oh <laughs> like interesting so <laughs> they're not the same as they used to be so now my creative brain is going and it's taking me a little bit longer to get those up and but, that's that's got to be part <laughs> of like the empowering process is just terminology like that's exactly. incredible yeah and I, and you know videos um that's another thing that we're working on um is creating those videos for turntable setups um, mm. and just different kind of hacks. Um, like I know when Robin was on here, she was mentioning how like anybody should be able to get into records no matter what, you know, what they buy to begin with. Um, and there's a local record store here, uh, Birdland Records, and Alicia is the owner. And she was wanting to do these videos. And so we're kind of talking about how can we maybe collaborate to uh, create these things? Because she gets so many girls that come into her store and they want to buy a turntable, but people aren't always willing to commit on their first turntable to something that's expensive. Yeah. So if they're going to buy a Crosley, what Crosley do they buy? Right. You know, because right. there are different types. Sure. So things like that, or, you know, like Robin has a hack for... Uh, weighting your tone arm on a Crosley. Oh, yeah. So just, you told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So just those kinds of things were like, we're a resource for for how to do things, learn things without feeling like someone's judging you for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when you talked about the meme, I I can't stand it when people talk about like poop on the Crosley, which I'm sure like there are some like long-term problems with the Crosby on, on your vinyl, but just the idea about people getting something accessible and and using it as a gateway, uh, I just think, to me, I will never criticize anyone for buying music or supporting music. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> However you need to start, fine. And, and, you know, I'll always give people recommendations and then sometimes they'll take them. Sometimes they're saying, oh, well, like uh, one of my former students wanted to get his girlfriend a turntable and I gave him these recommendations of like cost-effective things. And he's like, I ended up buying her a Crosley because I don't know if she's going to be into it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I was like, that's totally fine. I was like, if like she's ready to upgrade at some point, those are all like a great next step. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. And I remember we were, we had friends of ours and we were thinking about buying their teenage daughter uh, a Crosley because she had said she'd want a record player and her parents were asking me. Be, and it was the same kind of thing. And and I've thought about it for my kids as well. It's like, get a $100 thing just in case you find it on their bedroom floor in like three months from now and they're not into it anymore. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how many people have like the Sesame Street one or yeah. whatever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, those are great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, let's pivot for a second and talk about vinyl. Um, it its popularity has been this insane incline for like the past 15 years. There was this shortage of pressing machines and then that started to get better and then COVID has messed everything up again. What's going on? Like I, I know you work <laughs> at a plant or I, I read that. Yeah. Can you give us an update from the inside of, of what's going on? Oh, well, so yeah, COVID was crazy. I mean, that's really where all of this started. Because uh, things were going okay, right? Before that? Thing, things were, well, <laughs> so there was the, it was, 2020 was a mess because oh, there right. was the, fire. the Apollo fire. Yes. So that was sort of started it all off with, okay, now our industry is hit because there's a lacquer shortage. Uh, and so people were scrambling to get the Japanese MDC lacquers 
thankfully, that's what we always used. So we were in a good spot. So we were able to kind of continue trucking along there. Um, but then after that, COVID happened and everybody, you know, as you know, was sort of like, is this this thing? What's happening? Right. And so um, then shutdowns started happening. And so California was hit super hard. Um, and like plating facilities that we use are out there. Um, you know, jacket manufacturers like Stoughton are out there. Um, RTI. Uh, so there's like a bunch of places had to shut down. Like mm. there was just no option for us. Um, because we were considered manufacturing, we were able to stay open. But when all of those shutdowns happen, it caused a ton of supply chain right. backup. Right. So as people were starting to come back to work, while well, all of those plating facilities were sitting with all of that work coming in and nobody to do it. So that was something that started happening. And then now there's a um, resin shortage. So like plastics. Okay. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like even your poly bags. Um, wow. So that's an issue. And then on top of that, on top of that, um, there are less flights going back and forth from okay. overseas. Yeah. Right. So, so now things are having to come by sea unless you want to pay crazy amounts. So all of your PVC now, for the most part, um, there are a couple, one, I, one that I know of for sure, manufacturers in the U S of PVC, but now all your PVC is coming by sea. So, and that's like in, months, right? Oh yeah. And then like beginning of the year, there were um, like strikes happening at the ports. So mm. things would get here and then they would sit there. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's it's been crazy and we're booking so far out now. I mean, and that's been, you know, in the back of my mind, um, what is that going to do for bands and small labels? Because tours are picking up again, but they can't get anything yeah. For, until like a year from now. <laughs> oh my you goodness. Know? Is there, I don't know if this was just an anecdotal thing, but it, did the the productivity of artists being more prolific during lockdown, did that add to anything at all? Was there more orders than normal? There's definitely been more orders. And because of supply chain backup, there's it's harder to fill them as quickly. Hmm. Uh, I think the interesting thing, um, having talked to Karen at Gold Rush, she mentions in our uh, podcast episode how she sort of spent that time because so many people were like figuring out now's not a time necessarily to grow your business. Now's the time to figure out and survive through it. Right. So I think a lot of plants and, and she's a good example, we're figuring out who their client base is. And so if you have, you know, a few machines, maybe your client base is better for 500 piece runs, thousand piece runs or less mm. where other facilities that have, you know, maybe 10, 12 presses, maybe they're better to help, you know, some of the bigger labels or independent labels that put out higher, not higher quality, higher quantities. Sure. Um, and so I think figuring some of that out has been interesting. Yeah. And then at the same time, I mean, vinyl is just still getting more and more popular. So there's just, and I think I talked to somebody back in April uh, of the pandemic uh, in the UK, and they were saying they were having their best, uh, this was a label and a record store, and they were having their best online sales months ever because people wanted entertainment. They wanted books and, and music and Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, there's been no slowdown and it's been great that record stores have been able to survive through this because what a scary time for that kind of a business. But those that have been able to put their uh, their stock online or really utilize social media, I think have done really well. Yeah. Oh man, there's a record store in my town who has just, uh, you know, they've had a tough go because they had some obstacles with construction and then the pandemic hit and then they've just done an incredible job at doing, you know, live um, streams of their weekly inventory and giving people like a tour of the shop on Instagram stories. And, and like, I, I think they're just selling tons of vinyl through the DMS in their Instagram. Yeah, I've bought tons. I've discovered music through the live streams 
And I think it's a fantastic thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm certain it'll stay even when things are back up open and normal, um, and people flowing through the store. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my concern is for, is for the bands and small labels, you know, and will they continue to order vinyl? Well, I was during- gonna, sorry. I was going to ask, cause I am, you know, online, I'm sensing like a modicum of resentment towards vinyl lately, like from, from smaller indie labels and artists, just because of the, the initial investment, where, the lead yeah. times. This uh, is why we need the education. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because someone, someone that works at a plant, I feel like one of those trolls. I'm like, but but resin, <laughs> it's not us. <laughs> but can you empathize with these these concerns at all? I mean, like, how do we keep vinyl from being inaccessible aside from the supply chain issues? I think people just need to understand when to order and how to order, knowing that things are at least 16 weeks out. Right. You know, so I think like don't in normally in a normal world, I would say get all your stuff together and then go for your vinyl. Mm. In this case, I'm like if you have your album recorded and mastered, put it in for your test pressing. Yes. Get it in now. You yes. know, the metal parts are going to take weeks. It's going to take weeks to get your test presses done. Get that part done. Then you can worry about art, then you can worry about packaging. Like at least get that part started so that you are shrinking your lead time. Because this is great advice. I, I was lucky enough to do that myself. As soon as the mastering was done, I knew things, and I, I this was back in March. Um, I knew things were rough, and I was exactly what you said. I was kind of going back and forth on the packaging, reverse board. I was deciding on the color of vinyl. I was worried about matching the color of the <laughs> record with the sleeve, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, you know what? I've already got the test pressings back. They sound great. Like that part's over with. And, and right. yeah. That's so smart. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing because I've seen, you know, some small labels that I love just so frustrated and they're, you know, saying that the record pressing plants are upping their prices and this and that, and we're never going to up our prices to you. And I'm like, I totally understand that, but we have to charge more than we were before because- The, again, like if there's a shortage of something, it's going to be more expensive. We have to pass through that cost, or then there's nobody to press the records. No, you know. Yeah, and I should clarify. I didn't, I'm not getting a sense of, and this is all just anecdotal BS, but I'm not getting a sense that people are resenting uh, or upset with the plants. At least from my perspective, it's almost like vinyl as a concept. It's almost like, is this becoming out of our reach? Just because there have been so many things to pile on. Um, but I'm not getting a sense that anybody is blaming the, the plants. I haven't, I haven't heard that personally. Yeah. I think it's, I'm seeing a little bit of both. Um, I guess you're hearing from customers. So that's, I can, yeah. Understand. Yeah. I mean, um, still though, I don't think that it will go away. I'm just hoping that it won't become too niche that people decide to go another route. Yeah, and I, I think I think this just probably happens whenever anything gets so big, and I, I don't think it's remotely close to going away, and I don't want it to go away. I don't want to stop making vinyl. I don't want to stop buying vinyl. Um, yeah, it's just like I think everything just needs to kind of cool down, and hopefully we can get back to a, a place where the lead times are great because I remember years ago the conversation was that there weren't, that many machines that were working in the world, but that I, I'm sure that's not true anymore. I'm sure there's, is that the case that there's, there is more and more plants than yeah, there was I say mean, five, 10 years ago? Cause there were, there's more plants. Um, and then some of the old plants like rainbow, uh, when it shut down, uh, it's machines went elsewhere. So some of those machines have gone to another plant and they're working with them now, but there's other companies like viral, uh, and Phoenix Alpha right. that are creating new machines. So they're able to build those and get them up and running and creating records in a good at a good speed. So um, I think as some of those other smaller plants get online and are able to take some of that um, like indie business and, you know, band business, it's going to be a really great spot for them because they'll be able to get things in and out a lot quicker and those plants will also then have um, like a good client base as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that that is that is a good thing. That um, viral company is 
Canadian, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that that is really cool. I I mean, I I love vinyl. I also I respect that it is a such a artistic and and old technology <laughs> and format that it's just not something that can be rushed. You know, and, right. And, I don't know, like what what has has technology helped improve things at all in the vinyl process, or is it still essentially the same as it was fifty years ago? It's pretty much the same. I mean, there <laughs> are people that are, you know, finding like electric um, electric pressing, or and I think that was viral. It's doing that. Um, there's you know eco vinyl. Um, there's things like that that are happening, but they aren't at a place yet where uh, it's the norm. So things are still how they've been done. Uh, And I think that some of the newer machines are able to do to press records quicker. So you're not waiting for a really long cycle time, but um, it's still, I mean, it's still a process and there's still so many things that can happen along the way. (laughs) I mean, just when you think about how many people are involved in the process from like cutting to pressing, it's just there's so many steps. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it really does make sense. Uh, I've been in a plant and I've seen the process, and it does make sense why it costs so much. Just all the different people and the different expertise involved, not just like one person on an assembly line passing it to the next person. It's people <laughs> right. who are ha- that division, that part of it is their expertise. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- how can uh, let's go back to to the the community um, uh, to the organization? How can people in our community? I mean, we're talking with independent record labels mostly, but how can people in our community support you guys? Uh, is there something that um, that the average label or, or or music fan can do to kind of uh, get involved? I would love to. Um just continue to collaborate and to, for people to just get the word out about it. You know, you, I think the job board is a great place to start. Mm. If you have an internship or something like that, it would be great to have that, that there so that people see diversity in the opportunities too. Mm. Um, I think, you know, for now really, you know, spreading the word that there's this place um, that you can go to learn these kinds of things and find your path. Uh, into this industry because running a pressing plant is very different than running a record store, but those are within the same industry in this case. So, you know, if you come to Women in Vinyl and you read those profiles, you may find, wow, this is the thing I want to do. And then there's your first step. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that that um, is really where we're at now. We're working on some sponsorship stuff. So hopefully uh, within the next month or so, um, that will be ready to go to. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I th- I would think the end goal of organizations like yours would, would be to make yourself irrelevant, right? Like where equality is embedded and, and it's the default in our society. What is the, what does an ideal future look like to you? Yeah. I mean, exactly that. You know, this shouldn't need to be a thing. And hopefully women in vinyl won't become or will become a resource for people that isn't just about women in vinyl. It's for everyone. Mm -hmm. And we try to keep that in mind with everything we do. Like we are women in vinyl, like we are highlighting women in vinyl, but we are, are, are also the women in vinyl. So if at some point we decide, you know, on the podcast to have a man, like that doesn't mean that we're stepping back from our mission. It means we are the ones that are continuing to educate and drive the vinyl industry forward. Yes. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, you, I, I don't, I think we alluded to it, but what is your, what is your role at the plant? You work at a pressing plant? Yeah, so I'm the sales and customer experience manager there. So I help um, bands, labels, uh, get their order set up, plan what they want to do for their package, talk about release dates, um, and get their order set up and in. And then I work with our customer service team to make sure that the process from start to finish is a good one. And um, how did yeah, that? We, how did you come to there from from uh, career coaching to? To, to design in, into the plant? Was it just purely a, a love for vinyl? Yeah, I just, I always, I always loved records. Um, 
my fiance, he also is a longtime record collector. So between the two of us, it's like just so mu- so many records. So many records. <laughs> <laughs> we enable each other. But um, <laughs> we were living in Nashville and he was working at um, the plant there. And um, <laughs> I just, I was like, oh, I really want to, to do this. Um, but there wasn't anything that really fit me there. And uh, we're actually from this area in Northern Virginia. And funny enough, my mom found a posting for Furnace and she was like, you should come home. They're opening a record pressing <laughs> That's and, such uh, a mom thing. I know. <laughs> I found a job when, for you. <laughs> and a boy. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it ended up that, um, yeah, I got the job. Uh, Ray, my partner, he's our QC manager. So he ended up getting a job there too. So, oh, awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great. It's a really, um, I just, I love being able to work with, uh, with people to create what they want for their release. That's And so you get to interact with independent musicians and independent labels, that kind of thing? Exactly, yeah. And talk about, I mean, that's the intimidating process um, for someone who's young in, in the industry and this is maybe their first record and, and they really want to see it on vinyl and... Like I, I, I really wish I, I had a friendlier sales rep for my first experience because <laughs> it was very, it was very intimidating. I definitely feel uh, a lot of time there is some advising happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's a learning process. Um, I mean, especially with turn times and things too, making sure that we're being uh, upfront about everything. I mean, our our company policy is really bad news first. So if for some reason, something is delayed. Like if you end up with a scratch on your stamper, that ha- you know yep. that can happen. But you know, if something like that happens, we make sure to tell people right away so that they can plan because we understand like a lot of money goes into you know release plans to tours. Now that those are getting back up and running, people need those sales. So the sooner we can let you know, the sooner you can adjust. Yeah, um, yeah. When we are talking about um, planning. Uh, you, for your masters and and whatnot, there w- we had a, a plant on the show a couple of years ago, and one of the things that their sales rep had said I thought was a good idea was even during the recording phase, it's, it's probably a good time to start getting quotes for the project. You know, introduce yourself to a sales rep. I just think like you know, for any independent musicians or any independent labels, like when the band starts working on the record, you should start working on the. The pressing, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. At least get some quotes, figure out who, you know, you're liking as far as plant and their culture and things like that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Let's assume the better. <laughs> before, before I let you go, I, I have a question that, that is a little sensitive and, and personal, but I want to go back to your record collection here with your partner and you've put, put this record collection together. When do you, do you ever prune a record collection? Is that an appropriate thing to do? Like what if it's taking up too much space or do you relegate to the basement or to the attic or like, <laughs> what do you do? Cause I'm at this stage where I have a very nice bookcase and it's, it's becoming to, it's filling the bookcase and I really want to start pruning records that I'm, I'm not proud of, or I don't really love anymore. Somebody gave them to me and I, I want to maybe sell them or give them away. What are your thoughts on that? Is that wrong to do? No, I don't think so. I mean, we probably need to do that. <laughs> when we, <laughs> when we, uh, we recently bought a house and when we were looking for a place, that was like the biggest thing where like, <laughs> will this be enough space for our records? Check the floor have, beams, right? <laughs> to right. see if it can handle the weight. <laughs> our lower floor is a record floor. It's the whole oh, space. Wow. So yeah. And we have, we laugh about it, but we have a turntable in almost every room. Oh really? That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they are all consuming, but yeah, I mean, we're already running out of space. So I think um, it is about time for that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It I I kind of uh, and I also got into like, you know, I have like original copies like you talked about like I have original copies from 60s and 70s of records, but then if they do like a a repressing like a remaster or something, I'll usually grab that, but I right. obviously don't want to get rid of my old ones, but then having two of the same record in the rack seems kind of silly when I'm running out of space. So gosh, it's tons of 
tons of problems I'm dealing with over here. Why not? Quality over quantity, right? Though, so I mean, if they're yes. both great, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Uh, no, it's it's really interesting. Do you have a, a preference with like vinyl right now? Is and tell me if this is off base, but like I. I I'm afraid of of pressing black vinyl just because I feel like the expectations of music fans is like, you know, it has to be clear, it has to be blob, it has to be splatter. <laughs> like, uh, what do you think of that? And and what is your favorite um, packaging situation? I imagine it changes a lot. Yeah, it changes a lot. I think um, it depends on how much time you have. Okay. <laughs> because so like on the podcast all... or in your like <laughs> manufacturing. What do you mean? Well, kind of both, but no, like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as far as manufacturing though, like if you're going to do like a splatter or a blob or half and half or anything like that, those are all uh, pressed one at a time. So the lead time on those is going to be longer. Okay. So uh, I think that that's something to take into account. I think a lot of it depends on who your audience is. You know, there are uh, like if you're an audiophile community type person, then maybe you want to splurge from 180 gram, for example. But if that isn't your audience, don't pay the extra money for it. Oh, yeah. So things like that, you know, I think. Um, Sorry, can I interrupt you for a second? Is yeah. that just an aesthetic thing? Just the weight? Or is it there is. any? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there are, you know, within the audiophile community, there's a bunch of different reasons why that's thought to be better. One of them is less vibration on the platter because it's heavier. Sure. Um, but it's there's not like a groove depth difference or anything like that it's okay. it really is just more of um an aesthetics and preference within certain communities so if your audience is the type that you know definitely wants a colored record then like yeah why not you know that's a um, great point yeah that's a great point but i but i think like i mean kind of like we were talking about earlier if it's a nice package i'm all for it yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. if you have nice cover art and and like a blue record will go really well with your cover art or like pull out something you're trying to enhance, like why not? Yeah. I was absolutely losing my mind over something because I had included on the artwork of a, a record I was working on this like neon, neon yellow, neon green. And then the plant had showed me their version of, of highlighter yellow or something. And... I was like, well, I don't know, like, how am I going to match that? Like, I and I, I just, I didn't have the time or the resources necessarily to go get a sample of the record. And it was in COVID and print something off. And I was just freaking out. And then I'm like, so I, oh, I opted to go with something completely different, like clear, and then not try to match it at all. I was being right. very anal about it. Or like find a nice something that like brings it out. You know, like, so if you're yeah. doing highlighter yellow, maybe like a nice green or something. Right, you know? <laughs> right. Yes, yes. I thought that too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was so, and and the funny thing is, is that I had gone through this process and I was, I had some Pantone books out and I was being very, very uh, specific and neurotic about the whole thing. And then I like pulled out this like Tom York record and the orange vinyl was way off from the orange on the jacket. I'm like, what? Like they didn't go through that process that I went through? Like lazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun to work with people on stuff like that and give them suge suggestions. Um, I have one client that really loves to collaborate like that and it's so much fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Um, and I, I just think, you know, when I see a record that I love comes out and it's like just you know, that standard like pocket sleeve and it's a black vinyl and it's just the digital artwork, ex, you know, blown up. It's, I, I'm not as excited to, and I maybe not, won't even buy it, you know, whereas if it's a band I'm not too familiar with and it's a new record, that sounds cool and the, and the packaging is incredible, then I'll, I'll be more likely to spend my money on that. Right. Yeah. I think that that's definitely, especially with um, the Instagram community, it's even more so there's that visual, oh, true. you know? Yeah. 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 Well, this has been fun. I could probably do this, uh, for another hour, but, yeah. um, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. I'm going to, I'll mention at the end, you know, all of the, um, the stuff about the organization. Well, what do you, what's kind of, what does the next couple of months look like? I know you're working towards the charitable thing, but is there are there things on the horizon, you know, post pandemic that you're excited about, or or something that's that's coming up with with women in vinyl? Um, I think really it's just 
the expansion of all of these things. It's like until a year and some ago, it was just like, just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And so now we have all of these things that we're working on that it feels like I had to make a list the other day to be like, what do I need to focus on first? <laughs> so I think, I think really like the nonprofit status is, is my biggest focus. And then um, sort of expanding into these avenues of resources on the website. So like I recently created a list on the website of all female-owned record stores, um, so yes, that when people I are going that. out, I love yeah. That. So when people are going out for Record Store Day, if they want to support that, they can, um, and just other things like that. I really want to get the resources set up so people have a place to go. Like I love when people go to your site that you have all of those resources, and I want to kind of work more on that. Yeah, I was when you were saying that, I was thinking about our site, and and it is. Um, yeah, it's really nice to just like anytime that you think of something or you have a template that you're using, it's like throw it up on there and and, and share it with people because just that just is encouraging for people. It's empower, empowering and and uh, yeah, those are it's so fun to have that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for doing this. It's been been great to chat with you. Yeah, same. It's fun. Thank you all for listening. Go to womeninvinyl.com. You've got to go and camp out on their website for a little bit. They have some merch. <clears throat> you can um, get a link to their podcast, which is really great in there. And you can also support their podcast through Patreon. Um, so find out more about the organizations, their jobs board, and their list of women-run record stores is also there. So go to womeninvinyl.com, and I think they have some social platforms you can follow as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you are new to the show, um, please uh, head to our website, otherrecordlabels.com, where you can link to our private Facebook group, which is just for indie record labels. And you can join us over there, as well as you can download our record label toolkit. It's this huge toolkit. I'm updating it today with a new recording contract. And it's a toolkit that has templates and checklists and a bunch of things to help your record label or your future record label. So to get that toolkit, go to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit. Thanks for listening.